Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. Is Boston now the favorite to land Kevin Durant? Are the Baltimore Ravens ready to own their power ranking? And a lack of common ground in name and likeness is causing chaos in the coaching ranks. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Sports Today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Jalen Brown tweeted out what a lot of Boston Celtics fans probably thought when they heard about Boston's inclusion in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes, according to reports over the weekend. Jalen Brown said on Twitter, SMH, also potentially SMH, the Brooklyn Nets apparently balking at a deal, including Jalen Brown, because it did not include Marcus Smart. Joining me now from Locked On Celtics to help us sort through all of the cryptic tweets, John Corrales and and John, uh, what do you what do you make of where we stand right now with Boston in this KD sweepstakes? You ever see one of those uh, sitcoms where they involve someone to make somebody else jealous? Mm-hmm. That's what Boston is right now. Boston is here to try to make Toronto or New Orleans jealous. And I think Sean Mark's phone was a little too quiet for too long. So he said, hey, I remember I had spoken to Brad Stevens. We had a few words. Jalen Brown's name was spoken. So let's let's call my buddies up in the media and see if we can't stoke these flames again. I don't think that this is anything new. I think this is a dredging up of old things that have happened. So Scotty Barnes or Brandon Ingram might be included in the actual trade that might be discussed. I think Jalen Brown is a casualty you know, of that. And now the Celtics have to do some, probably some fence mending, but I think, I think Sean Marks just tried to drum up some interest on the trade market. And and he used the Celtics and Jalen Brown as, as part of the plan. So you're, you're essentially saying Brooklyn wanted the league to hear come beat Jalen Brown because we can get Jalen Brown. Basically, I think, and and I'm not so sure that they can get Jalen Brown. He just needs to make people think. Right, exactly. Jalen Brown. It's it's a poker game, and he needs to he needs to have people think that he's got Jalen Brown and Derek White in the two cards that are face down. So people got to go there and be like, oh man, we got to beat that. Um, and that's that's all he needs. It's the same playbook that most GMs will use in that situation because. I think it means that he really doesn't want to start the season with Kevin Durant on the team. We hear the posturing that they're willing to, but I, I don't think that he wants to because this is, I mean, at this point, Woj and Shams might as well just quote Sean Marks because we all know it was him that did this. <laughs> we all know. Um, so, yeah, did the Celtics call the Nets? Sure. Every other team should have called the Nets to see what the deal was. Oh, Kevin Durant wants out. Sure. What, 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 what's it going to take 
And the Celtics are in a pretty nice spot because they just went to the finals with this team and they've added Brogdon and Gallinari. Uh, Peter, this it comes down to this. If the Celtics wanted to trade Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant, they would have done it by now because they had a $17 million traded player exception that expired on July 18th. They had other tradable assets that they used. And instead, they went and got Malcolm Brogdon and Danilo Gallinari with those. And it doesn't make any sense at all for the Celtics to let a traded player exception exception expire and then turn around and trade Jalen Brown and whatever else that Brooklyn wants four players, four key players, and then willingly give up the things that they would need to rebuild the team around Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum. Stay up to date on the Boston Celtics by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and, of course, the Locked On Celtics podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, can Lamar Jackson and company live up to expectations? Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all your gambling needs. Tuesday's slate of Major League Baseball games provides plenty of opportunity. The Braves are on the road. They're favorites against the Phillies for the second night in a row. Bet Online has the Braves minus 118 to win it. And the Tampa Bay Rays have their Cy Young leader on the mound in Baltimore and are heavily favored to beat the Orioles. Bet Online has the Rays minus 201. And. And the Subway Series starts out with a similar money line odds for the Yankees and the Mets. Bet online has either team to win at minus 105. Could be a potential World Series preview. Bet online where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today Film Junkie or Bookworm. Might not be nicknames applied to Kyler Murray around the Arizona Cardinals locker room. There is an addendum in his contract extension with Arizona that he is to study for a minimum of four hours a week in order to stay in compliance with his new deal. The Cardinals, in addition to giving their franchise quarterback a record-breaking deal, also had to give him an independent study credit, apparently. I don't know if he needs this for an internship or what exactly is going on. According to the contract, Murray will need to study material provided to him by the club in order to prepare for the club's next upcoming game. However, the addendum states the time that Murray spends in mandatory meetings studying does not count and that Murray also won't receive credit if he does not personally study the provided material in good faith. Failure to meet the addendum's requirements will mean Murray will be deemed to be in default of his contract per the wording in the agreement. Maybe if you have to put it in writing that your franchise quarterback has to study for the test, that tells you something about the agreement that you're entering into. Maybe just me. I don't know. The city of Chicago does not want the Bears to leave Soldier Field behind team isn't budging from its plans to move to Arlington Heights. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot revealed three proposals on Monday for renovations to Soldier Field to entice the Bears to remain at their home stadium of the past 50 years. At the center of the proposal is the construction of a domed stadium, which would cost anywhere from $900 million to $2.2 billion. As part of our mutual agreement with the seller of that property, we are not pursuing alternative stadium deals 
or sites, including renovations to Soldier Field while we are under contract. That is a statement from the Bears. Money talks. It always does. Danny Amendola has decided to retire from the NFL despite receiving interest from multiple teams this offseason. It was better than I could have ever imagined, he said about his career. The 36-year-old Amendola spent 13 seasons in the league, including stints with the Rams, the Patriots, the Dolphins, the Lions, and the Texans. He won two Super Bowls with New England in 2014 and 2016. He finished his career with 617 receptions for over 6,200 yards and 24 touchdowns. We could see him in the broadcast booth in the very near future. More league officials than not believe national superstar Juan Soto will be traded before this year's trade deadline, according to a new report. Soto will immediately transform the run scoring potential of any team he lands on as he's most certainly going to be in the middle of those lineups. And on top of the majority believing he will be dealt, most executives, according to this report, predict he will end up in San Diego. Depending on that trade, the NLS could be drastically affected. It still remains to be seen if Soto, who has multiple years of control left on his contract, will be traded during this trade deadline. But if you're reading the tea leaves, they speak pretty strongly that he'll be on the move. Here is another story you need to know. There's Twitter beefs. There's MVP quarterbacks still not getting the respect that they deserve. And there's a slew of injured players coming back for what could be an AFC contender. The Baltimore Ravens 2022 season hasn't started yet, but the fireworks have already popped off. Joining me now from Locked on Ravens, Kevin Ostreicher. And Kevin, what is the storyline as we head into training camp for you that you're most keeping your eye on in Baltimore this summer? Yeah, well, I think what a lot of people are looking at now, Peter, is the extension for Lamar Jackson. But people now look at that and they see the Kyler Murray deal happen, all the other extensions we've seen throughout the offseason. And look, there's a chance this doesn't get done before training camp ends, before the regular season starts. And that's completely okay. There's still time for them to negotiate. Maybe there's a franchise tag or maybe even two that happens. But both parties have expressed the fact that they would like the partnership to continue long-term. Lamar Jackson saying during mandatory minicamp, he expects to be a Raven for life. And you have the Ravens who have consistently come out with, you know, the Lamar is our quarterback type of thing. So I think for the Ravens, obviously they'd like to get it done as soon as possible. That, that's a pretty fair assumption to make, but other storylines do include the injuries. I think the, the big part of last year for the Ravens was how many guys they lost. Lamar Jackson included with that bone bruise on his ankle, but just losing JK Dobbins and, and Gus Edwards and Marcus Peters and all those guys. It really put a cap on their ceiling. And we saw that with their eight and nine finish. They missed the playoffs for the first time since 2017. The big storyline for me is one of those guys coming back and can they get back on the field and be the guys they once were before the injury? I'll tell you the storyline that I'm most interested in, Kevin, and, and that is who is catching passes from Lamar Jackson, or is he going to have to be the old thing you did in the backyard where you threw the football up as high as you could and then run under it and catch it and, and run? Yeah, there, there have been a lot of question marks about just how the Ravens have approached their wide receiver room this offseason. Obviously, trading away Marquise Brown, that was a big part of their offense. I mean, he... He's a player that won over 1,000 yards last year alongside Mark Andrews, two 1,000-yard wide receivers. Now, the, the offense had to change a little bit based off of personnel, not having the running backs, not having the offensive line. But that's their number one wide receiver, and they effectively did not go and replace Marquise Brown with anything. They didn't draft a guy. They didn't sign a guy at this point. So they're relying on the young guys, Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay, James Prochet. 
and Tylen Wallace, those are all players are going to have to step up in a big way. And I think that while there is a there is a possibility they do add a veteran guy, I feel like that might come more in the midseason if things aren't working out. I think they're going to give their guys a shot. Obviously, Mark Andrews is the top pass catcher in that offense, but I think a duo of Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman could, could be a deadly one. Now you have to look at the other guys around him and say, can Devin Duvernay take a step? Can James Prochet take a step? Because there are questions there, but it feels like the Ravens could be moving back to that bully ball style offense. Maybe not quite to the extent we saw in 2019, but a more balanced offense with that. If that's the case, you might not need as many receivers and not necessarily a top flight one where in this offense, paying a wide receiver 25 million per season might not be the best thing. You mentioned Rashad Bateman. That's a name that is really popular right now. Uh, uh, fantasy football leagues for sure. Uh, what do you want to see from him training camp preseason that will let you know, okay, this guy is ready to come in and be, if not, you know, a high end number one, someone that can keep this offense on passing downs on third and eight, when you need to go get it, that he can be at least that for this team. Yeah. He showed some of those flashes last year. I mean, I think his first, it was upwards of 10 catches, we're all for first downs. And so he was a first down machine there. But during training camp, I definitely just want to see the, the crispness in his routes continue to be there. That was something out of Minnesota. People lauded his route running ability. The hands, I'd like to see, you know, not a ton of drops. I know there were some rumblings early on about him struggling with drops a little bit. So if he can take those out of his game and just really step up, go up against the top guys in practice. There was a clip last year of him actually burning Marlon Humphrey at the Ravens Stadium practice. And we know that Marlon Humphrey one of the top flight corners in this league, even despite having a down year last year. So if he can do that against the Ravens, which again, I think going up against the defense and practice every day, that's a good test. So if he can continue to show that in practice, carry it over to maybe preseason snaps, we don't know if they're going to play their guys in the preseason based off what happened to Dobbins last year. But if he can translate that over, I think that that will show me that he's ready to take on this role. And, and And I think he is right now. Stay up to date on the Baltimore Ravens by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Ravens podcasts on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Which NFL stars move the betting line the most? Locked On has the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online, and it's all on Locked On NFL. Check out Locked On NFL wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Coming up, why a common launch point is badly needed when it comes to name and likeness. SEC Media Day brought out plenty of college football takes, including the Vanderbilt head coach making some lofty claims. It also brought a lot of name and likeness questions with few answers. Chris Gordy covers the SEC every day on Locked on SEC and was joined by Commissioner Greg Sankey, who had some poignant thoughts about name and likeness. The existence or lack of NIL existence is really immaterial it's upon us and the issue is how do we manage that reality and in 2019 our observation was we don't want this to be implemented through a patchwork of state laws that's what we have and we have that for very good reasons Um, states acted and put effective dates in and then some states pulled back from what they did in the last six to eight months Uh, We had a court decision that altered the NCAA's approach on how far it could govern. Uh, And to have a national standard would require congressional action at this point. And and that's a tough, tough hill to climb. Uh, But I think when you realize what it is we do, we support competition. So Miami playing at Texas A&M, some kind of national standard forms the basis for that competition. 
Uh, Utah's playing in Florida. Uh, Oregon's playing in, in Atlanta against the University of Georgia first week of the season. All that's predicated on some national standards. I think we need that for name, image, and likeness. That's point one. Point two is you have a, a number of young people uh, being approached every day. And we know nothing about who's approaching them, what kind of deals they're signing. And those young people are trying to figure out different state laws and where there aren't state laws, what's like the university policy? That seems enormously unfair to expect the 17 or 18-year-old to interact with this person representing a business interest and, and get it right. We, we need a standard for, for them. We also need protections for them so that a, a two-star or three-star signing and attending a university who develops into a first-round draft pick hasn't like signed an agreement and taken $10,000 for a name, image, and likeness deal when they're 18. And when they're a first-round draft pick, they're entangled by that agreement. Uh, those things need to be addressed. The most direct way to do so would be congressional action, but there's a lot of work to make that possible. Who should police it, I guess, you know, if, I viol- if the school violated this rule? Is, is it the conference? Is it the school? Is it the NCAA? Who should police that? Well, I've testified if there is a federal standard, I think the federal government has a role in that oversight. Um, it could be delegated to the NCA, but the NCA would have to be a lot more nimble and effective in enforcement than we've seen in, in recent years. And so there are some options there. I wouldn't put it at a conference level because then you're back into variance over enforcement. And we've seen that before, and, and I think some national enforcement mechanism, whether it's at the federal government level or a more effective strategy at the NCA level, would be appropriate. I understand the perspective of administrators, of athletic directors, of coaches, and of the NCAA to feel like there needs to be more rules and regulations around name and likeness. And in all likelihood, there does just to create some equal footing. But when you look at what is going on in the coaching ranks and what they are able to do, the money that they are making, the contract Kirby Smart just got, doing it the way that college athletics decided to do it with name and likeness, to essentially just say, go, and we'll figure it out as we go, made the most sense because it opened doors to these players now. And if there needs to be tweaks, if things need to be changed, they can be done down the line. It is rare that we get these things right in sports. It's rare seemingly in life that we get these kinds of paradigmatic shifts right. But for the moment, this is going in the right direction where athletes are able to profit off something that is intrinsically theirs, themselves, their name, their image, and their likeness, something they should have always been able to profit off of. So could, could tweaks be needed? Sure. But opening the floodgates has a way of allowing us to see where the cracks in the dam are. Where is the water flowing and where do we want it to be flowing? And it should be noted, coaches and administrators don't always have the same ideas about those things and the same incentives as the players do. And as we look at where these perspectives are coming from, where these criticisms are coming from, we have to also remember that that is the case. And finally, he may have secured the bag and he may be a member of the AFC favorite, but Von Miller is having a hard time letting go of his time with the Rams at least according to a conversation he had 
with NBC's Peter King when he said, so hard to let go of LA, so hard to let go of coach Sean McVay. Don't know if he meant to rhyme. Les Snead and especially Aaron Donald. Every time I think about it, I get sad thinking about not playing with them anymore. Going and winning a Super Bowl with Buffalo probably would, you know, make him feel a little bit better. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, which MLB playoff hopeful will make the first splash in the trade market? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.